Horse racing, handicapping, interviews. This is At The Races with Steve Beck. A very good Thursday, race fans, Sirius 219, XM201, Sports Zone 964, if you're listening to Sirius XM online and at our website, steepick.com. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not distracted per se, but uh, I am, uh, I am collating, <laughs> doing a lot of, of, of that, uh, of just all of these, uh, all of the PPs. Uh, yesterday's draw, particularly, of course, in New York and California, Keeneland, uh, you know, having gone to this, um, you know, far out uh, advance uh, draw concept and double draw to start the start the meet, uh, got Keeneland squared away. But what was added uh, in California and New York is certainly going to uh, engage everybody. And uh, we're going to start to do some capping uh, in the third hour in particular. Uh, reached out for Scully to join us to talk about tomorrow's meat opener at Keeneland. Uh, really good, uh, the Friday card, as the Fall Stars weekend kicks off. The Alcibiades, the, the Jessamine, and uh, the Phoenix, but not just those. Uh, the maiden race that uh, starts the pick five, and uh, the is a good uh, turf mile allowance that closes the card. Uh, the turf pick three is races five, eight, and ten. Just highlighting that uh, with the highlighter, and uh, so on. So I, I'm literally, I, I'm <laughs> I am up to my elbows. Not going to say knee deep. I think we because it, it, it's actually it's actually gone above that. <laughs> uh, we're also going to do. Some handicapping with Jeff Franklin back after about a month, and uh, as you know, noted uh, without comment, without too much comment, uh, you know, Jeff had to had a little health thing to deal with, and so uh, it sidelined him for yeah, basically it was about a month, and so he's back today, and the first uh, the first win using third ref conversations will be about uh, with back with Jeff will be. The Breeders' Futurity and the uh, Turf Mile Saturday, 9th and 10th at Keeneland. All right, uh, looking forward, uh, looking forward to it. And I, you know, the the thing about the thing about these uh, cards and and particularly Keeneland, you, the Fall Stars Weekend, you got the stakes, which you know they're they're pouring out what. It's got to be, what, three plus four plus three, so, you know, ten uh, stakes over the weekend. But then you start digging into the maiden races, and, you know, we're still early enough. And for the two-year-olds, you got a lot of first-time starters. And you've heard any number of first-time starters brought up with recent visitors. So you start going through those races, and you're, you know, you, you spend as much time doing a little bit of pedigree work. So it it's... Uh, there's there's plenty of heavy lifting 
uh, to be had. And and even though you know, having had Sharia on Monday, we didn't even. She won. Uh, she won again. Yesterday, that horse at Indy won, and then in the stake race, which we'll get to momentarily, uh, she hit the board at a big price with Whimsically, ran huge. There's, there's actually an interesting topic uh, about that race that uh, I'll, I'll probably launch into in a second. Uh, anyway, you got you got so much to occupy us. And, of course, the rescheduled uh, Hirsch, which we talked about with Andy uh, just a little bit, but the Wea, uh, the recently fairly, still fairly new as a grade three, and uh, the Frisette, and the uh, turf sprint, Belmont turf sprint. I wish they'd put a name on that. That's certainly, uh, certainly plenty of candidates to slap a name on, right, you would think. Um, champagne and so forth. So we've got uh, we've got a ton. <laughs> I mean, just a ton to uh, get ready for the weekend. Uh, I should mention the Jockey Club Derby uh, Invitational comes back, and Web Slinger, Web Slinger's presence in here uh, highly notable, I would say. Uh, nice group. It, it's going to be very tough. Uh, it's going to take probably through this evening preparing for the weekend preview to figure out, you know, where where to focus the action. I will say this uh, as part of the uh, as part of the planning. I mean, certainly with Keeneland Saturday and folding in Santa Anita's cards, the American Pharaoh, the Chandelier, the Rodeo Drive, um, and uh, the, 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 the Speakeasy? Yes, the Speakeasy. Uh, the Mutual Department at Keeneland and Santa Anita have fashioned, and i got to go back to, I thought I printed it out, and I mean, it could be anywhere uh, on, this <laughs> on this desk. Uh what they're calling the Breeders' Cup Challenge Pick Six, and it's a, a dollar pick six as has become the norm now, and uh, got a nice 15% takeout. It's a you know it's a one-off, uh, so I mean if if you get let's say if you get a couple of crazy winners in there, uh, you're going to uh, they're going to pay, you know, they're going to pay to force out. There's no, it's a mandatory, essentially. Uh, so this could be fun. And let me tell you what's in it as I dig uh, through my, I had prepared to put it up uh, on uh, online uh, on Twitter. There it is. The, it's going to start with the TCA, uh, with the sprint at Keeneland, then the chandelier. Uh, back at uh, Santa Anita. Uh, the whole thing kicks off, by the way, at 412 Eastern. Then the Chandelier. Then back to Keeneland for the Futurity and the Turf Mile. So as part of the win using Thurgraph conversation today with Jeff, you'll get two of those races. And if you're signed up, go to Thurgraph.com, hit the click here, uh, put your address in, and you'll get you know the two sets of sheets uh, every week. Uh, so you'll have two of these races. 
right in the middle of this pick six. Then they go back to Santa Anita for the Rodeo Drive and the American Pharoah. So we got, uh, what, the two two-year-old dirt races, uh, the Philly and Mare Sprint for the TCA, uh, and uh, then fold in the Futurity. So three, half of this is two-year-old uh, route-type races, and then you got the Rodeo Drive uh, for the Phillies and Mares that are turfing. All right? This is fun. Uh, this is, uh, I, I, we encourage this. Ever since going all the way back to the Sitco, right? Remember uh, ESPN, the Sitco Pick 6? The Sitco Pick 6, which was a weekly free contest. And uh, then came, you know, then the NTRA had uh, the National Pick 4s and the, the Magna 5 and, and the, the Sal Sinatra's 60-minute Pick 6. Uh you know, there's been the ongoing you know, Naira offering the cross country. There's there's just something. There's a certain challenge and and intrigue to multi-race, multi-venue uh, plays. It, it, it's it's weird, right? It's it it shouldn't be any different than than any normal sequence, but yet it, it you feel like you've accomplished something, you know, over and above. When you when you hit them, so uh, obviously all those races will get uh, will get plenty of attention uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll do that. And uh, I mentioned yesterday's action before we start to launch into today. Dave Hill, by the way, ten thirty, back from France. Um, the uh, The uh, good week that he had, snapback week after he went six and zero, then he went zero and five, and then came back, went five and three, and uh, could have easily been six and two. Uh, that uh, that Zach Ertz not catching that one pass, uh, but we'll hear about Dave's uh, family trip to London and Paris. I'm anxious to hear uh, about the, the family. Uh, family ex exploits, and uh, then we'll launch into this week's NFL analysis. Uh, the racing yesterday in New York, uh, every pretty much, I, I'm going to say, slightly formful, although you had, in the Ms. Grio, you ended up having a mammoth opportunity, and I, I, it, it hard to justify. First of all, going off at seven to one. I mean, it, it, and yes, ten to one morning line. But as we talked with Andy, he didn't think he'd actually, you know, be ten to one. He thought, you know, closer to five to one. Ends up being right in the middle, exactly in the middle, actually, uh, seven thirty to one. Uh, but hard to justify. Uh, the Justify for Wise Racing, uh, and uh, Flavia Pratt, Chad Brown, and off the Saratoga win, opening uh, the opening couple of weeks, and you know, made the requisite improvement uh, necessary. Pay sixteen sixty, and you think, well, that that that's a terrific jumping-off point for the rest of. Uh, of the mutuals. Well, 
uh, you know, we had had Cherie, and she had nice things. You know, she was encouraged and excited about running whimsically. Goes off at 60 to 1. Okay. It, for me, whimsically was worth using underneath as a, you know, as a, my, my point is here, I better try. Uh, using the, my top two were, were memorialized and hard to justify. So I key the two of them uh, with four horses underneath, and Whimsically was one of them, along with uh, Galibrand and Gold Lightning. I see Life's Inaudible, the uh, Pletcher Rapoli uh, filly that, uh, you know, was seemingly, you know, a, a, a consider. Eight to one morning line, and she was as dead on the board as a, as a Pletcher Irad horse can be. When, when I went to bet with probably about eight minutes, it must have been about eight, yeah, that was about right, uh, was, I think, at least at the time, 11 to 1, and then kept drifting even higher. Ends up just under 13 to 1. And as I said, well, this horse is, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pletcher, Irad, and and the horse is eight to one morning line and and is bordering on thirteen to one. That that's you know deader than Kelso's nuts, as they say. Uh, I, I I left life's inaudible out of the, out of the and and this was a small play. I, I and I you know it could have easily yeah you put them. Put her in, I, 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 and she ends up running a, a, a very good race. And you know, was just behind the pace, and you know, here, here's hard to justify. Whimsically was hanging around the whole time, uh, and and really there was not a lot of change in position other than the pace setter who fell away. But uh, Gold Lightning and Memorialize they. They were sitting mid-pack, and neither one of them were able to move. Gala Brand, uh, Jose Ortiz, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what he was thinking, per se, but he, he left Gala Brand with way too much to do. Uh, so he closes to be fourth. Whimsically third at 60-1, to one, and, and I don't have Fletcher Rapoli, I read, on the ticket. The try for fifty cents paid fourteen hundred dollars. Fourteen hundred twenty-nine seventy-five. The, the the ten cent super paid twenty-three hundred. The ten cent super. I, 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 unbelievable. And I I I I fact I, I I don't bug Dick Tamaro too often with with these kinds of you know screams of, of agony, but I, I, and I was sick, just sick, to use Cherie at 60 to 1 and, and not, I mean, this was, I, this was one of those places, obviously the reverse dry key in here might have been, you could have gone, could have gone with hard to justify and memorialize all, 
whimsically. I mean, that that there, there's a viable, there's a viable. Uh, what's that? A, a that would have been a ten dollar for fifty cents. That would have been a ten dollar try punch to bring back fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred thirty. So that 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 sort of colored my afternoon. Uh, I, I I I mean, I was. I mean, literally nauseous <laughs> to, 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 you know, make, to look at the board and, and say, eh, that horse, that horse is, because uh, obviously they didn't know the reverse of they knew. In this case, they didn't know. They didn't have a clue. So anyway, um, unbelievable. So that was it. Hard to justify gets a uh, a get out of jail free card <laughs> to go to uh, Breeders' Cup and uh, justify. He's, he's got. Let's see what number. I don't know how many. If there was anything going on in in Europe, but uh, this was now justifies. This is his sixth uh, stake winner. Then, uh, yeah, then everything was pretty formful. Uh, skate to heaven uh, on that drop down. Overwhelmed that uh, that that I made a big deal out of that sixteen non two. I to, you know it ended up being the obvious horse that was dropping down. Went off at two to one, and uh, just ran away from them. Uh, and went and went unclaimed actually. Interestingly, uh, Agate Road. In the Pilgrim, and uh, what's interesting about this race was it was the the flip side, really, of of the girls' race, because in this in this situation, you had the horses that were running fifth, sixth, seventh in the first half of the race. They end up one, two, three. Very interesting. I mean, and, and in terms of in terms of the uh, the splits, twenty three, and this explains a lot of it. Twenty three and four, fifty flat, one fourteen, one thirty eight, versus twenty three and two, forty seven and one, one eleven and three, one thirty six and two. So there was more to run into. For Agate Road, uh, Fulmineo, that Fulmineo was like uh, Crazy Legs Hirsch, uh, trying to weave through the through the crowd. Uh, you know, Liam's Journey, good job by Andy. Liam's Journey, who he talked about, uh, the, off the the trip at Kentucky Downs. Liam's Journey was rallying under Franco at twenty to one. Uh, Tiffery that, that we had talked about ended up getting bet off the, I mean, not off the board, but got bet heavily, ended up going off at just under 4-1. to one. And that was not, you know, 10 to 1 morning line, figuring, you know, the price might come down a fair amount, but uh, not that much. Uh, I mean, really got bet. Agate Road ended up going favored at 5-2, to two. ran very well. Pletcher, and uh, this is Rapoli Elias. So... Rapoli uh, with both uh, the two-year-olds that'll go on uh, to California. This was a nice. This was a very. This was a very nice effort, and one you know by length and change. 
there was that weird <laughs> there was that weird circumstance uh and i, I i'm not sure that you know, in terms of the placement, uh, the way it got announced, but there was a steward's inquiry in this, and yeah, you because know, you had you had horses kind of weaving down the down the stretch, and they came back, and and at the same time they also announced that there was a dead heat uh, for third, and um, so I, I I don't know if it was coincidental or if they, you know, as part of the it doesn't it just seemed like it was coincidental that. Uh, whether whether they uh, and, and I'm I'm not even sure even I didn't watch the head on but uh, I'm not even sure what they necessarily were looking at uh, that was I mean I guess just the kind of a general uh, there was a claim right somebody claimed foul Pratt claimed foul but yeah Pratt uh, alleged interference against the Agate Road but it didn't sure didn't look like. Uh, Like it was uh, something that was going to get taken seriously. So, Agate Road wins uh, Tizzy in the Sky, and uh, I'm very busy. Big day for a uh, big day for uh, Chad. How many did Chad win? Because that good Sam early uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, some of the most of the short priced uh, Chads ran well. Uh, then in the nightcap, the horse that drew in ends up wiring that nightcap. I I was only I was live to a couple of horses in the pick four, and uh, I got uh, garnished, as we say, got uh, nothing. Uh, big prankster was you know making progress, but uh, nice ride by. Flavian Pratt with Woke Up Quick, uh, who worked hard to, you know, from from the outside post. You you draw in, you're you're instantly compromised. This was, you know, six for a long term sprint. So, anyways, a, a fun afternoon overall. Uh, a, a a little a little frustrating to miss uh, the huge opportunity that was there uh, to be had. Uh, in the Miss Grio. Uh at Horseshoe Indy. If you were listening, you just at the end of the replay there, you heard Rachel, and uh, she pretty much wa- you know walked through the obvious uh, path here, and uh, then the horses went out and uh, and did pretty much uh, what you might have expected. The uh, I should mention in that first leg of the pick five. That I took an interest in because of Storm the Court's presence, and uh, Storm the Court ran okay. Ended up third in here. Uh, field day for Cherie, and this was as, as mentioned. Uh, Cherie, you know, uh, the winner at uh, at Indy, uh, a winner at five to one. This for uh, the Kleins. So congratulations to Richard and family and uh, homebred of theirs. Uh, 12:20 to start, and and that contributed mightily to the pick five because the rest of it was was pretty well, uh, you know, chalk filled. Uh, Molly's Town wasn't uh, that wasn't the first leg. The first stake was uh, Ice Cold, who was uh, dynamite. The McPeak, the Matoli, yeah, that one. Uh, 
romped under Brian Hernandez Jr. Uh, at 70 cents. Ice cold in the Miss Indiana. Then that Molly's Town, who also looked overwhelming uh, on paper, and wins off by seven under Fernando de la Cruz. Southwest Racing Stable, Motown Gelding, uh, bred by Swifty, Gennaro Garcia, Molly's Town. So those were the two-year-old races. Then King Ice, uh, we both, both uh, Rachel and I thought uh, King Ice and uh, I think Latigo yeah, and Cash Logistics, those felt like the three horses. Uh, Latigo loomed and then stopped. Uh, but King Ice... George Leonard and uh, LTB and Hillerich Racing, homebred of theirs, a keen ice goal, three-year-old. Joe Talamo, smoking Joe. Congratulations to Joe and Marty. Marty landing this. Uh, good job, Marty. Landing this one. And Talamo rode uh, this colt in the Bashero as well. But uh, in the Too Much Coffee, that was King, uh, King Ice. And uh, then finally, you had uh, in the Cardinal, we were trying to get Diamond Solitaire at a, at a nice number, actually, 11 to 1. And thought that Marcelino Pedroza thought, thought that Diamond Solitaire wasn't in, in, bad, in a bad spot and, and looked to be you know, kind of advancing uh, through the turn, but could not get to the 70-cent winner blue light special, Cipriano Contreras. This is a horse that Contreras owns with uh, Andrew Napchek, Alan Poindexter, bred Super Saver Philly, uh, three-year-old, beating uh, mostly elders, but uh, louder than words, the very good Tony Granitz uh, mare or Philly in there as well. So that was the Cardinal. So that was the stake sequence at Indy, and the pick five, uh, the pick four, pick four paid eleven sixty five, uh, which was uh, kind of humorous. And then even uh, the pick five ended up at sixty eight uh, ten, and and uh, you know you had yeah, that's what happens when you get a three dollar, four dollar, two dollar, three dollar winner. Uh, but field day, if you if you use field day, uh, made uh, made it worth playing. So fun day. Uh, basically sat. It was gorgeous here, and I sat outside and. And, uh, and basically, uh, you know, handicapped, and, and it, was, it, it was a summer day here. I don't know where, it was the same as wherever you were. Just amazing. A uh, couple of things. Let's uh, give you a more rundown. Frank Angst uh, is going to join us uh, at 10 o'clock. And uh, he's actually kind of off uh, after producing this tremendous investigative report. He and Bob Ehaw, and uh, I think people uh, enjoyed and appreciated uh, Dr. Alday and, and Alan Foreman yesterday. Uh, I still want to flesh out a few other pieces of this because it, it such a, you know, such a au courant, as, as Sid would say, uh, topic, and uh, and has obvious, uh, you know, ramifications, and and uh, so Frank will tell us uh, some more about what, you know, what went on, and uh, as as part of this 
work and and how I'm curious you know the how long and um, you know it, it, it as I said yesterday it feels like there was a bit of a revelation uh, about the statistics in Kentucky versus the other jurisdictions that they researched so I want to want to let Frank let Frank talk about that uh, a bit as well. All right, so Frank Angst and a little bit. Tony, we've got to get Tony in here uh, at some point. Uh, Dave Hill, uh, Jeff Franklin at 11, uh, Seth, not Seth, uh, Scully, and uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, Clancy, we got a Clancy. We, <laughs> we got a Clancy, and uh, I'm sure like, uh, I'm sure like me, uh, Team Clancy, was uh, tuned in yesterday uh, evening. Uh, we uh, we watched the fightings, you know, the Phils, uh, the, the, the Braves. Yeah, they, they faced the Braves. It should be a very entertaining, yeah, should be an entertaining series. So I, it's funny. I, I I've not, you know, these last couple of years, the Phillies sort of grabbed me. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't, with the Expos gone, I don't have a baseball team like I used to, but uh, for years. But I have, I play, been playing fantasy baseball for decades. Uh, our Mid-Atlantic Rotisserie League that goes back to 1984. And uh, so I, I don't, you, you know, when you play like, when you play these a lot of times when you play these fantasy sports, you, you sort of lose your, you don't have the same team affiliation. You, you're sort of in, more interested in individual players. But the Phillies are impossible not to not to like. They're just, they're funny and, and uh, they're, they're, they're kind of they're kind of silly and uh, they're easy to root for. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, the, you know, with, and I did not have a great, my, my, my team are the Montreal Royals. Uh, I had sort of a quasi-rebuilding year. I kept sort of trading off veterans for for juveniles, for for, for up and coming uh, some not prospects as much as uh, you know young players that are emerging. That was uh, and that you know that kid that pitched the eighth yesterday. If you didn't see this, I, I'm a little a little miffed. I, I the last week of the season, literally ten days ago. With the last transaction of the year, I tried to get that that kid uh, Kirkering, uh, Orion Kirkering. He's even got a great name, and uh, a little bit of an administration uh, kind of a screw up. And I ended up not getting him. My buddy Phil got him, uh, who's a lifelong Phillies fan, and I'm I'm now I'm nauseous because uh, that, that that kid that kid's like uh, he's. he's Looks like uh, an amazing—it's amazing story. It's one of these kids that showed up at at single A ball and and made it to the majors, and here he is pitching in the postseason. You, did you see him last night? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not happy that I uh, somehow I got Uts, uh, I got Utsd out of him. <laughs> uh, Pete Fornatel is going to slip in too, and uh, and Joe Clancy. Uh, this morning and Frank. All right. So, in fact, I think based on uh, ba based on 
what uh, Sean told me. Uh, he's going to be out walking the dog, so he'll be in the woods. <laughs> another, another, another nature. <laughs> Him and Mig, they they should they 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 should somehow you know do, do a at Saratoga next summer. They should uh, they should go on uh, some sort of nature exploratory. Lead lead people off uh, <laughs> on a on some kind of a tour. That'd be fun. Uh, not for me, but <laughs> maybe maybe some of you might might <laughs> might enjoy it. Uh, we should mention as I as I wait here. Uh, I don't know if you saw. I retweeted uh, the piece of news that uh, came from Nick Locke uh, earlier this morning, and from Judmon. Uh, kind of tough. Uh, Westover uh, came out of the ark with uh, an injury career over which is really too bad uh, and I guess Nick uh, was gonna have uh, not sure what uh, guest wise uh, he was gonna but it, uh, as soon as I woke up this morning I saw it like at five and uh, it's too bad because there was a looked like there was a chance you know based on the way Judmon administers that uh, they were gonna send uh, they were going to send Westover uh, here, so uh, he had a, had a very had a very good had a very very good season, obviously, and and a good career. Uh, but uh, no Westover uh, for Breeders' Cup or anything else. Uh, but there is going to be a Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and the. Excitement is building, and uh, the contestants are being added as we speak. <laughs> Pete Fortital, good morning. Good morning to you, my friend. Yeah, that was a little bit of a bummer about the news with Westover, but it's still looking like it's going to be one of the more loaded uh, turf fields we've, we've seen potentially in recent years if some of these others show up. You mentioned about the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, something that's been a little bit underreported, I feel like, in terms of talking about this year's event is how with the television window being what it is the breeders cup classic is not going to be the last race this right. year which is going to provide some really interesting strategy i think as opposed to uh, potentially what we've seen in years past so there's a lot to talk about a lot to unpack but nothing more interesting than who's going to book these final seats to uh, one of horse racing's uh, greatest contest along with the NHC. It, it, you know, I, I did ask Tim Schramm a different question the other day when somebody was asking about, they were they were asking about uh, the force out uh, for the ultimate uh, pick six on, on Saturday. And uh, that that is a legit question to find out. I mean, they, they could conceivably still end the betting challenge with the classic. They don't necessarily have to go with the two races afterward. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I was assuming they would just to get the extra handle in those two races. But I guess if they deem it, that, I mean, there's still 12 other Breeders' Cup races. So it's not like it would be. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about it, but it's not nuts at all. I think, and, and obviously it's nobody's disadvantage as long as they just need to make that very clear, very fast, I would say, if that is the way they're going to go. Did Tim sort of give you a lean one way or the other on that? I, I didn't bring it up. Um, I, I was I was more, uh, the question was directed specifically uh, 
uh, on the ultimate pick six, and uh, and I suppose that's also a question: is is is, is the is the ultimate pick six going to end uh, with the Breeders' Cup Classic? That's a, I'll ask both these questions. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see if Tim. Uh, I, I I just sent Tim a, a note, and we'll see if we get an answer. Uh, you know, one of these uh, instant uh, reaction kind of uh, questions. Yeah, turf sprint is a tricky race. To, I think it would be the turf sprint would be the last race, and that is a tricky one yeah. to end on, where you've seen $60 winners over the years. You could definitely see people more confidently pushing all-in bankrolls in a race like the Classic. So in a way, I wouldn't blame them if they did that. I, and some part of me would be a little disappointed to lose two of the races, but I don't know. As I think about it, it might... It might just generate more handle overall doing it the way doing it with with an with an end in the classic. So we'll we'll have to see what they decide about that. It's a, certainly an interesting uh, an interesting angle. I've been assuming it would go all the way through, but maybe not. And uh, Tim's always great. I'm sure we'll get we'll get the answers from him in an expeditious uh, fashion. All right, there we go. Um, there. Both missives have been uh, sent off, so we're 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 creating we're creating uh, content as we speak. Multitasking, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful stuff. I love it. Uh, I you know I I I literally in one of these stranger uh, Saratogas that anybody has uh, uh, experienced. Uh, I literally saw you once, and and, uh, and and that was not unusual. There there was a number. I saw Aaron Yagoda, who's as good a friend as I've got. I saw Aaron maybe week two, and then did not see him again the the rest of the meet. So it and he had and he had gone. You know, he had to bring the kids to college and all that. But uh, it it was such a it was such a funny. I mean, not not that I don't go if the weather's iffy, but uh, you know, there's 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 occasions where you don't you know you, you don't have to go. Uh, all 40 days, and then of course it was gone for, gone for uh, Colonial and and gone for uh, Haskell week. But um, you're, how about a summer recap? Uh, six weeks, yeah. six weeks later. I, I had a very different summer than I've ever had before, in that I did a bunch of traveling that that I don't usually do either. I started the meet out in Del Mar, which was great. You know, they've been such great clients. I've really enjoyed the racing out there these last two summers in particular. So it was great to make my return to the summer meet. I try to go every year for the Crosby, but getting out there for that was great. And then also going up for the King's Plate was was really, really fun. I hadn't done a King's Plate since 2019. Speaking of, you know, great clients of uh, and people, just a place I love to hang out. I mean, Toronto is so great. And uh, had the ability to, to get up there and just experience that very unique day of racing in America where I, you know, somebody fine dressed people tapped me on the shoulder and asked me where they could find the Royal enclosure. And I had to do a double take about where I, went. <laughs> I thought I thought I'd lost a couple months somewhere along the line, but it, it, uh, it, that was a great experience as well. As for Saratoga, yeah, we, I was doing, um, Perrin was swimming a bunch. So I was taking her, I would basically do the first half of the day at the pool and then get there for the pick six. And we had a great little setup uh, down in the, in the stretch area and ended up, ended up watching a lot of racing from there. So I didn't circulate or, or see nearly as many people as I've seen, as I've seen in the past to your point. But, you know, despite the, the difficulties of the meet, we managed to have a pretty darn good time 
all in all and finish it up and just you know that the sadness that one inevitably feels at the end of the of the summer meets in recent years isn't has been hasn't been as bad for me because then it becomes such a dead run for um for breeders cup and that started um with you know with all the great stuff the other trip i made during the summer was to get down to kentucky downs which i'm going to make an annual excursion as well because i like it i like it there so much but then you know just with with all the winning you're in action happening with all the stuff we've been doing on horse player happy hour um sending people looking to send people to the breeders cup betting challenge it's been it's just been so busy i haven't had time to miss the summer you know it's one of those well, we we turn our attention. I, I and a lot of what you're, I, I had basically the similar, you know, similar scenario. Uh, run off uh, to Kentucky immediately uh, on Labor Day and a uh, little sale action too, and uh, very, you know, kind of a similar, kind of a parallel season. And uh, I, you know, you're looking around at all the venues right now. The racing is very good, and and everywhere you look, essentially, and of course, you know, Keeneland with their intense uh, scenario. I, I talked about this new uh, challenge pick six that's been crafted for Saturday uh, as well. I mean, there's there's a lot for you know for players. There's a lot to engage in right now. No doubt about it. I'm really pumped about that pick six as well. Going to be doing a special show. Uh, tonight, actually, um, around that with some California California contingent, including uh, Jeff Chappie Chapman, and uh, he's going to see if Nick Tamaro's around to join, pro horse player Sean Borman, going to go over all six of those grade ones. But uh, the other thing I really want to let the listeners know about, Steve, is the next four Saturdays on Thursdays, we're going to be running over at horseplayers.com a special this sort of like last chance online qualifiers not literal because there's others at the weekends but it's a really uh fun way to try to qualify for the bcbc uh, this week is an all belmont lineup I'm, I'm sure we'll incorporate uh keeneland next week and the other cool thing about it is the house cut goes entirely to thoroughbred aftercare the thoroughbred aftercare alliance and the thoroughbred retirement foundation get a hundred percent of the house cut so these are 179 dollar games with top finishers winning their ten thousand dollar bcbc seats i think in future weeks you're going to be able to feed into these so essentially a chance to spend 20 and turn it into 10,000 while supporting charity. And we'll have a live stream going uh, during the contest from four to five, which you can find on In The Money Media social channels or Breeders' Cup social channels. And it'll just be, that'll be a lot of fun early Breeders' Cup coverage. We're gonna do some segments looking at some of the international shippers coming in. That'll be uh, m mostly JK and myself, but, but a, a cast of, of many coming in. We're going to have our friends at DRF coming in as well to talk about some of the coverage that they're going to be providing. And uh, it's 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 a good way to sort of start your Breeders' Cup um, betting preparation early. And I know, folks, obviously you've been covering it a, a while now and your listeners are very much up to speed. But the other fun element of it is we do a lot of back and forth there in the in the comments, getting to answer questions in real time. And, of course, talking about the races that are going on. Just a, a fun, different way to punch your ticket for the BCBC and to help two amazing charities as well. 
Nice. Nice. Uh, and for, for those that are less familiar, tell them, you know, tell them the, the ins and outs. Sure. So horseplayers.com is the place to go. You're going to look for the horse player happy hour qualifiers. It's 179 to play in the direct qualifier. At the same time, this is going on. We're also running our playoffs for the tour that we've been running since April. We run during the year. Typically, we just do $20 feeders on Thursday. But in addition to potentially getting you into the contest, uh, the $179 contest at the weekend, by feeding into that, you we also keep score. And then the, the top player throughout the year, this year it was uh, Jeff Van Drie, won a $10,000 seat for finishing atop of the of hill in the tour standings. And then also we have our playoffs starting. Now it's too late to win into them, but I'm sure some of your listeners are, are in this tournament. Basically, we take 80 players, the top two from every week, and then the other top tour finishers, and we start with 80, and at the end of today's game, that 80 is going to become 40. We just take the top half and we may have a cut. And then that 40 next week will become 20. The week after, 20 become 10. And then those 10 will play for an additional BCBC seat uh, as part of our final table of, for our playoffs on the Horse Player Happy Hour Tour. So essentially what we're doing here is seeding these, this interconnected series of contests with $20,000 in the form of these two extra BCBC seats. And we'll be back. I have a feeling, successful as it was this year, we'll be back next year. And I'd love to see more folks from, uh, from at the races uh, joining in here. It's always a thrill. You know, I still have a lot of people, Steve, when I run into them. It's not, they don't know me from TV. They don't know me from In the Money. They know me from, you're all here on Steve Big Show. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great to, uh, it's, and I love hearing that. It's great to have people who, you know, I, if, if they listen to your show, I know they're, uh, they're, they're knowledgeable people right away. You can always have a great conversation with somebody who's uh, who's dedicated to, to to racing and experience through your airwaves. So I'd love to see more and more cross-pollination between uh, between our, our horse player happy hour contests and the, the at the race as loyalists. No, it, it, anything that, you know, things that provide continuity, uh, you know, we do the eight weeks of the beat pick contest. And, yep. you know, it, it, which is a real, as I've called it, a gateway drug to, <laughs> to, to contest play. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, agree with that. I mean, they, it's a great way to wade in. I mean, there's, there's something for everybody. It's like a ladder, uh, you know, it, 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 whatever your level of experience and interest, you, you, you can wade in and, and then ratchet up, you know, your level of involvement. And uh, it's also true of budgets, uh, the, you know, the free contests and uh, the low-cost feeders of things. Uh, then, you know, from there you go. Uh, it's, it, it, I think it's a valuable outreach and, and outlet. I love your point about continuity. I, you know, it, it's, it's always fun following along the people that, you know, BPIC being a perfect example, following along the person who, who won that contest while they make their run at the NHC. And that's 
deep pick, I still think is one of the best, very best ways to try to to try to qualify for that event. I'm still so sad, Steve, about this. What seems like it's going to be an ongoing conflict between uh, Cheltenham and, and the NHC. I don't know that I'll be able to get there in person uh, anytime soon, but I miss those days and, and those storylines that we're able to, to follow uh, in the ballroom and get to meet players in this nice community and and also get to share their stories with the larger horse playing world because contests really are one of those things that i mean you nailed it it's whatever basically whatever type of player you are there it's extremely likely there's a contest for you whether it's playing something for for free or low money like you know the, the, the horse player happy hours during during the week uh, during most of the season that's just a 20 dollar game it's not a hard it's not a it's not a huge lift and you just get so much action in contests at that fixed cost so it it prevents it prevents chasing it it makes it impossible to do it takes out of the equation a lot of the things players say they don't want right so you hear it all the time oh i'm a i'm a good handicapper i'm a terrible better well you know what two dollar win place takes that out you just gotta pick a horse you just got to pick winners and horses at, at prices to have a chance to compete. And that's how these horse player happy hour games work, just like all online qualifiers. It's that mythical $2 win place format that simplifies it. If that to you sounds too basic and you, you're more about, you know, being able to bet all your money on the, your strongest opinions, well, you're going to want to look into live bankroll contests like the ones that our friends at Naira have and our friends at Express Bet have. And you'll have an opportunity there to really put your money where your mouth is on your strongest opinions. That's, of course, the format of the Breeders' Cup betting challenge as well. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of different ways you can go. And I always say to people, if you want some advice, if you if you this all sounds interesting to you, but you maybe a little feel a little out of your depth or don't know where to begin, reach out. I've played this role for a number of contest players, and I always enjoy it. If you hit me up on Twitter at Looms Boldly or reach out through the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Give me some clues about what kind of player you are, what your goals are. That's a really important thing, too. Like, there's plenty of people whose goals are to just have fun, and that's going to lead you one way. And if you're, But if your goal is more like, no, no, I, I want to do this, and, and making money at the end of the day is really what I'm all about, I might have different advice for you. But anyway, feel free to reach out and keep the conversation going because even though I don't cover contests on a day-to-day basis like I once did, I still firmly believe they're really one of the great growth areas of the sport and really nobody, Steve, has done more than you to uh, reach out and, and promote contests on your airwaves and I, and I think that's uh, unequivocally a very good thing. Well, we That's how, you know, going back more than 10 years, that's how we, we started with what you were doing and uh, it, it it's been, you know, speaking of continuity, I mean, it's been 10, 12 years. And speaking of instant reaction and answers, we... people ask, we answer. Here it is. Tim Schramm, the Breeders' Cup betting challenge will end with the final BC championship race. So, okay. yes, the last two races after the Classic will be part of the BC BC. Same is going to be true of the ultimate pick six. Uh, it will end with that turf sprint as opposed to the classic. Uh, and, well, I, we say turf sprint. I'm wondering now, I mean, that's the way the initial thing was laid out. But uh, Tim is noting, and I think this is an important note, the exact race order will be released October 25th. So, okay. is in other words, 
they're going to they'll be a major race as the nightcap. It's not going to be it's not going to be a gimmick race like the turf sprint. I, I, would, right. I wouldn't guess. If, if it was down the hill, it'd be a different story. But they're not going to make a five furlong, uh, you know, turf sprint. Yeah. They yeah. can't do it. It'll handle better. In terms of BCBC, I can pretty much guarantee it'll handle better if it were, if it were like you said, one of the, one of the big six, you know. Um, so, and I, and I think the sprint uh, would, be, would be a fine candidate. If it, obviously, Classic is best, but I think that's a TV window thing. I just don't think there's anything that could be done about that. Uh, I do think having the sprint last would be good. And if anybody's listening out there, I'd move the turf sprint way earlier. I think it'll help. Um, I think it'll help. I just think it'll, it'll, you know, if it's the first race of the pick six and you blow out, people come back in the pick five. It, it, it's, that's a, it's a hard one to have as the anchor leg, you know? Yeah, agreed. Well, but uh, th- this ended up being very valuable because we answered, I think, a question that probably that's on a lot of players' minds. Yeah, for sure. Great stuff, Steve. Thanks so much for the invite. And we really want to see as many at the races listeners possible tuning into horseplayers.com. And let me know. We, 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 I'd love to give shout outs on there, too. If you heard me on here and decided to play later today, uh, let, join the live stream and let us know in the contest. We're starting, I think, with the second race at Belmont at Aqueduct today. Go to horseplayers.com, get all the, get all the details. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, many more at the races listeners on the leaderboard, Steve. Pete Fornatel, everybody, looms boldly and uh, the uh, In the Money podcast team and uh, all the fun and all the information. Pete, great to catch up, talk, and see you soon. Thank you, my friend. Pete Fornatel, there you go. We're going to turn right around. we got to get uh, we got to get to... Well, now we're in a little bit of trouble. we got seven minutes here at the top uh, to uh, – we will get – let's get a quick uh, hit in with – I don't want to waste uh, – not waste time, but I don't want to um, – I don't want to uh, dig into Frank Hanks' morning. He's got a couple of days off with uh, his wife and uh, – their ten-year-old. So let me let me see about Clancy. Let's see if Clancy can uh, if Clancy can delay a little bit. Um, yeah, let me see about this, and we will make a quick we will make a quick determination. All right, um, and that that of course assumes that I can get to uh, I can get a little earlier to Frank as well. Hmm. All right. I think we should be good. All right. We're going to get, we're going to reach for Frank and uh, we'll talk a little bit about, a little bit more about his, uh, peace with, there it is, a breakdown. I'm reaching for a breakdown that uh, calls for further review. And uh, a piece that he did with uh, with Bob Ehald. And I want to get sort of some of the uh, uh, some of the backstory uh, as well, not just uh, not just the the details, but also uh, how it all came about. And uh, Frank Ang's nice enough to join us, even though he's off for a couple of days. Frank, uh, this is this 
piece that uh, you crafted with Bob Ehalt. It, it's invaluable. It's informative, uh, and it's going to provoke, uh, you know, it's a provoking response, and it should elicit change. Well done. Yeah, I mean, that's, as you know, Bob and I both love racing, and um, hopefully people take this in the right spirit. We we want things to to change for the better. Well, talk about how it came about and uh, some of the mechanics. I mean, uh, I, I, it's funny. We we considered running it as three parts, and Bob kind of Bob Bob likes long stories, so he kind of won me over with let's just put it all out there at once. So uh, that's what we ultimately did. Um, I've been hearing about the ways that Kentucky reports scratches, um, whether relative to trainer or veterinarian, was different than other states. I'd heard that for quite a while. Um, as I noted in the story, I couldn't really get um, horsemen who would necessarily see it every day to go on record. Um, but I did have people I really trusted assured me that this was going on. Um, I put the two reasons I think it's going, you know, I, I know it's going on, the two reasons um, in the story. Um, it's either they're reporting them differently or you have these situations where the regulatory vet makes it be known that the, the horse is going to be scratched and the trainer scratches them before the regulatory vet puts the scratch through. Um, either one is problematic because it's that inconsistency and other major racing states aren't doing it that way. So if you're the regulatory vet down the line and this horse comes from Kentucky and race down there and you're seeing just trainer scratches, those typically are not as big of a concern as, as a vet scratch. And, it, and, and along with that is the, the vet's list, which is, those are, there are rules put in place to protect horses that need time off. And if you're a vet scratch for unsoundness, you go on the vet's list. And uh, the first time it's 14 days and the second is supposed to be 45. But if those, what should be vet scratches are being characterized as trainer scratches, you basically avoid that. Um, so unfortunately i don't pretend to have all the answers on what's going on we put out what we know on there and uh and hopefully some changes occur for the better um it's it's a concern and you know we really new york thunder was the one that really caught my eye when the horse clearly clearly had issues uh, i mean unfortunately the, the the outcome showed that um but when I, when I saw that he was scratched three times in Kentucky, all from stakes races and all trainer scratches, it, it caught me as odd. I mean, why are you continuing to enter these stakes races and then scratch of your own volition? And then added to that was the inconsistency after the first time he did go on the vets list. So just, just some strange occurrences there that needed to be brought to light. Um, the second part of it, myself and Bob worked on, is just there, there are trainers that have, have, have records that are of concern, you know, relative to breakdowns. There are trainers that have more breakdowns than others, and maybe the industry can start looking at this. Um, I, I think any trainer, unfortunately, that does this long enough, they can do everything right and, and still have a horse breakdown. We acknowledge that in the story. But there are people that do better than others. And maybe some of the ones that aren't doing as well, I'm, 
you know, maybe maybe they have to go through uh, some type of course, you know, that maybe they just need to learn um, some things, some tricks of the trade to, to do a little better in those areas. Um, you know, that's if you're driving and you have a certain amount of speeding tickets, you know, I think one of the first things that happens is you go to go to driver's school again. So that that could be beneficial for for trainers. It really could maybe maybe they need more education in that area. Maybe that's something that can be done. But um, you know, the the trainer of New York Thunder has a record of concern. I, I noted in Florida, you know, one of the breakdowns that he had, it looked more like it was traffic. Um, you know, that's that's not his fault. Or that sometimes it happens in the as the race goes. Um, so there's that. And, and then Bob really um, was the focus on these uh, corticosteroid injections, which have been pushed back already to 14 day or 14 or 15, yeah, 14 days, 15, sorry. But but now that, that they're looking at pushing those even further back to 30 days, um, you know, and Bob also talked about should there be a limit on how many, and I thought Lisa Lazarus from HISA had a great quote when she said, you know, if you have knee problems, and, and if I, of all things, my dad actually went through this. Uh, he, he was having a really bad knee, and, and they gave it a shot once, and it, it did a lot of good for him, and then he got started. Then it wasn't doing as well. Right. Got another shot, and it didn't do as as well that time. So, you know, you kind of got to see if, if these injections are actually helping the horse and if they're not helping the horse, it's not a solution to just keep giving them injections, obviously. Well, and that uh, yesterday, the hour change and change that we spent with Dr. Alday and with Alan Foreman. And with Alan, we talked a lot of regulatory uh, issues that, that you broach in, in this piece. And with, with Dr. Alday, obviously, we talked uh, treatment and, uh, you know, the, the sort of the limits of the effectiveness, uh, you know, the limits of... Uh, you know the timing uh, of uh, uh, injections. Uh, there, there's the, the, the complexities in this, Frank. Are I mean, are obviously extensive. I mean, the 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 thing that the thing that I thought was you know, kind of revealing or 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 a revelation, and I, I'm I'm sensing it was for you too, was the portion about uh, Kentucky. Uh, you know, which, who has which as a jurisdiction has really tightened up a lot of areas uh, yeah. that, the, the, you know, for years, Kentucky was thought of as a permissive uh, jurisdiction. And, and now that pendulum has come you know, the other way entirely. Um, you know, things like the adjunct medications and, the, you know, the, the other, the, there was a lot of things you could use in Kentucky you couldn't use elsewhere. Right. And that's gone away. Uh, but this thing with the with the the scratches, it, it it felt the way you wrote it that you know you thought it was a a monumentally important area and and a little surprising at how you know what the disparity was between Kentucky and the other you know major jurisdictions. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm not a big fan of unnamed sources and. Uh... Really, when all I had was the was when just people telling me this without putting their name to it, I didn't think I had a story. Um, but then I was talking to our uh, computer person at Blood Horse, and we were like, you know, we could probably just get the numbers. And, I, you know, it's always good to talk to others. That was kind of 
Courtney Burris, uh, just in talking with him, he thought we could go and and get the numbers. Uh, they're, they're reported on the Equibase charts, and with his expertise, we were able to get those counted. And and I thought that was enough to really show that it was going on and add the uh, add credence to what people were telling me. How about that? Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful to hear from some uh, racing department personnel and, and let them uh, weigh in uh, and, and you know, explain how this is, this is handled. Um, yeah, you know, there there's sort of subsets of 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 this where, uh, you know, there there's. I mean, it's obviously Frank. There there's going to be a certain percentage of them that are absolute legitimate uh, scratches that that are are not vet list necessary. I mean, horses spike a fever. Uh, you know, horse comes up with a there cough. Is. You know, yeah, exactly. There's I mean, tons of that. And that that should be a trainer, and that's the trainer taking care of uh, care of the horse. And, and that shouldn't go. You know, that shouldn't be 14 days. But um, when you're talking about on soundness, there's a reason the rules are in place, and um, it's important for them to get that break, and it's important that everybody sees the reason for it because. I mean, we. I think everybody knows what's at stake at this point. We just can't uh, can't keep having the uh, breakdowns like that. It, one of the things that uh, that I kind of uh, actually, Doctor Alday surprised me slightly uh, by by essentially uh, seemingly endorsing synthetics on a on a much wider basis uh, to me part of what what this piece does it it reinforces the the defense uh, as it were uh that that steve christ offered uh for dirt and basically saying that we've got the mechanics in place to continue to you know minimize the chances of an incident like New York Thunder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I as you know, I'm I'm pro synthetic. I mean, I think it can work, and you know, Woodbine has all Canada has all its biggest races on turf and synthetic, and, and everybody loves racing up there still. But I, I'm not opposed to dirt either. I, I do think with dirt, though, you have to everybody has to be on the same page and really putting looking out for the horse first. And a high, high percentage of people in this industry do exactly that. I mean, that's the good news. Um, and, it, you know, if you see a case like this, and it just really struck me as something uh, could have been done, um, you know, just a little more sense there. What else in in this arena, Frank, I either surprised you or Bob and, and – uh... Any any other elements that uh, you know you think that the the industry can take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, a lot of the rules are in place, and a lot of it is just really, really taking those to heart and uh, just seeing that there there can't be any shortcuts or, or workarounds, and and if there is something that can be improved, uh, we do have. We, we have an organization now in HISA that in one fell swoop can make that improvement for 
largely the entire country. I know there's still lawsuits going on and a couple states not in, but putting that aside, you know, one of the big advantages of HISA, in my opinion, is a change can be made and it can be put in place in a really quick amount of time. As somebody who's covered the state to state set up for years, you know, if you wanted to make a change, okay, you would pass a model rule, which would take some time. Then some of those states would adopt the model rule. Some of them would tweak it. Some of them would ignore it. And then the, the parties that wanted it had to go to each of the states and try to sell them on it. And it was just a really long and involved process. So um, to me, that's some good news uh, with HISA. I know not everyone that listens to this is for HISA, but I'm, I'm saying whatever route you go, I, I think we're in a better position to uh, quickly put changes in place. It, 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 at first, it's funny you say that, um, because you know there was a there was an early period uh, sort of leading up to the start of the administration of HISA, where anything that happened, uh, a bad call from a steward, uh, some sort of a licensing screw up, and people would say, "Well, HISA will take care of that. HISA will take care of that." It was, it, it, <laughs> you know, it was like a meme actually. That, uh, yeah. uh, but there, there. When I have Alan Foreman, and it in fact it came up yesterday, when Alan says, uh, and and you know, and and will acknowledge, and of course now with this role as the ombudsman, that uh, you know, well, that's an area that could fall in you know in their arena, and uh, yeah. and, it, and you know what I'll say to, to try to find some common ground on, on what I know is can be a divisive topic is even the opponents of HISA, the plans that they've put forward would also they would put a, a compact in place that would largely do the same thing so that all these rules go in effect at the same time. So I think even the opponents realize that, that we can't go back to 30 different rules and some states want to do it this way and some states want to do it slightly different. Um, that, that consistency matters, and I think it shows up in a, ca a case like this. Well, uh, it'll be interesting It'll be interesting, Frank, to know or, or follow, uh, you know, how this and, of course, uh, the the report that Scott Palmer is issuing uh, as part of the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the summer in New York. And, and, of course, you know, HISA had their own report uh, coming out of uh, Churchill's spring uh, struggles. Uh, and, and, you know, very often, you know, it, it's a set of ambient circumstances and, and multi, you know, the multi-factorial that you know, yeah. comes into play every time there's a cluster of, of, of injuries, fatalities, incidents. It's true, and, and that's where the ones, the ones that truly could have been prevented are, are so frustrating. It's like, unfortunately, there's going to probably be some that are a mystery and have to be addressed afterward, but golly, let's, the ones that we can take care of on the front end, let's, let's do better there for, for sure. Frank, uh, well done, the, you and, and Bob, and I'm sure this uh, this will make its way uh, into uh, into uh, Eclipse uh, consideration, uh, undoubtedly, because uh, uh, that's that's really what uh, the 
you know, what what they're for, uh, for, for inspired Thanks, reporting like this. So, well done. I appreciate it. Thanks. Not at all. Frank Angst, everybody, if you haven't seen the piece, a breakdown of the calls for further review. And we'll, we'll, I tweeted it a couple days ago. Uh, we'll tweet it again. Uh, enjoy <laughs> enjoy your, your afternoon off and the, the, the week, all right? See you. See you, Steve. Thanks, Frank. Frank Angst, everybody, who is just terrific. Does an amazing job. Uh, we're going to talk to another top level correspondent type in Joe Clancy. Let's find out what, what Joe's up to and where he is in the, uh, and if he's still in the woods or if the uh, dog has been, the dog has been returned uh, to, uh, <laughs> to wherever the dog, <laughs> wherever the dog no, is kept. We're still walking. We're still walking. We're not home yet, but we're getting there. All right. The, the, have you picked out, have you managed to find another tree for Guy Torsalieri to cut down? Yeah, uh, maybe in a couple of years. Yeah, there's a few more around here that he might have his eye on that might work. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sean Clancy and Joe Clancy and Tom Law, uh, life back to normal to some degree, uh, such as it is. They, they continue to churn out work in, in this is horseracing.com and uh, the various uh, journals and 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 areas that uh, they contribute uh, haven't haven't talked I think I think we maybe slipped in one post Saratoga visit Joe but uh, uh, we're gearing up for Maryland million and we're gearing up for uh, far Hills uh, talk about the fall yeah it's funny this is sort of the the, the quiet before the storm with all these weekends uh the, this weekend anyway and then we we yeah you go to maryland million next saturday far hills the saturday after that and international gold cup the saturday after that and then we're on to the breeders cup you know so uh it, it, it's it's a cool time again you sort of there's always a little bit of a lull for us after saratoga but now it's kind of trying to gear gear back up again and get on top of some things and figure out where I went to Aqueduct for the jump races, I guess. That was my um, first trip somewhere after Saratoga, which came up quick. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, this weekend, it sort of just seems like, okay, get through this, and then it really starts to ramp up again. Uh, the, uh, I, I uh, talked about this a few weeks ago, I think with Tom, but uh, I heard from Sally Ellen uh, Hurst at uh, Country Life, and the, the the separation so that there is uh, the opportunity for you and Sean to get to both Maryland Million and to Far Hills. Yeah, it was that way last year, too, which right. is kind of cool. It helps, it helps me. I mean, I, I can go. Uh, I'll do the Fox show um, from Far Hills like I did last year as my neighbor decides to leaf blow as I'm walking by. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so I'll be, in, I'll, be in Far, I'll be in Maryland Million and then be at Far Hills the following week on the, on the Fox show trying to kind of – uh, make sense of the card and bring a little bit more knowledge, more steeplechase background to people, and uh, which was fun. It was kind of fun last year to to do it and sort of see how it's all done on a whole show as opposed to um, you know the, the five minute hit I normally do in Saratoga. <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing the. Uh, yeah, I'm walking by. I wasn't going to wait for him, but he's not going to stop, so I'm just going to go right by. I love it. Uh, the uh, should also slip in because I, I last week I got uh, sidetracked, but we should actually take the opportunity to mention the the hunt meet results too, and and the schedule. Uh, between now and Far Hills, I did it with uh, Bill Gallo, uh, the, you know, leading into uh, the Lonesome Glory, but uh, haven't had a chance to talk results the last few weeks. 
Yeah, things started back up again last weekend at Shawan Downs in Maryland at Foxfield in Charlottesville, Virginia, and then I don't really know what happened, but through some quirk in the scheduling, there's no race meet this weekend. Right. Uh, which uh, I saw two people say Jackie, Tom Garner, and Jamie Barger at the Timonium Sale Tuesday, and they were in line for pit, pit beef sandwiches. So uh, that's what happens when they have a week off. That's great. Uh, I'm getting turkey, and they're getting beef, you know, so uh, they're like, no, we're good this week. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was kind of cool to see it get back to get back to running at the race meets. It just seemed like a late start for, I think it's just more the way the calendar lined up. But, um, they were going to push back so, so late in September um, after the, after Saratoga and the Lonesome Glory. But, uh, um uh, Leslie Young won a bunch uh, again, uh, came out firing after sort of a quiet summer, um, and she's certainly running away with the trainer championship. A um, couple timber races, uh, Cracker Factory won a timber stake, which is um, an up and coming, taking him a while, but looks like an up and coming kind of timber horse. Um, of course, one of my favorite horses won at Foxfield, who's counting for Sean McDermott? He just... He wins on the flat. He wins over jumps. He does whatever they send him to do. He's like he's never won a stake in either place, but I think he's won four jump races and three flat races now in his career, which is pretty cool. And I'm just looking uh, at the results. That Cracker fa uh, Factory, uh, hundred acre field, uh, the uh, the ownership and uh, Mark Beecher uh, trains. That's a nice win uh, for him. And Mark's a pretty sharp. He's a stude horseman. He's an Irish guy. Came over here to ride. Ride Timber as an amateur in the state, and you know he'll claim horses at Laurel on the flat with the idea of turning them into jumpers or horse you know, on the flat, whatever. I mean, he kind of has that sort of he's got that eye, and he finds horses um, uh, to come and do it. And uh, it doesn't have a very big stable, so you don't see him with a lot of runners, but um, uh, wins races for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, who's counting: Sean McDermott and uh, South Branch Equine. Uh, yeah, he's a Maryland bred. Uh, I saw him in the nominations for the Maryland Million, which uh, uh, <laughs> made me laugh. Uh, maybe Sean will go back to the flat. I don't know. I think he would need uh, I forget who his sire is. Maybe you can find him. Um, and uh, he might need some scratches so he can get in as a Maryland and short field so he can get in as a Maryland. Arrow, Hart, uh, Charles Fenwick for Leslie, you mentioned, and uh, Salamanca School. A timber winner for Leslie as well, and uh, there was uh, the amateur. The we love the amateurs uh, riding as well. <laughs> Chosen mate uh, and uh, Ricky Hendricks. Uh, how about that? Yeah, very cool. Virginia Carell uh, keep getting aboard, which uh, again, kind of a young rider, grew up in the game. Her parents are very involved in uh, getting some rides now, which is nice. How are we? Um, how are we? That's not my dog. <laughs> What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Katie. She's a yellow Labrador, and she runs my life. She's <laughs> about 11 years old, so she's not quite as uh, active as she used to be, but um, uh, we still take an almost daily walk on the trails in Bear Hill uh, from our house, which is fun. Nice. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, I'm surprised it took me this long. Uh, did you watch the Fightins last night? Man, they're fun. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, that's a fun team to watch. And, you know, the Braves are a juggernaut, as we know, so we'll see. But uh, 
they they, they get pitching like that, and you know some some key hits from again hits from people who you wouldn't even count on. You know, Bryce Harper's had a quiet couple of games, but uh, those other guys step up, which is great. They're they're fun to watch. Hmm. Uh, the from a uh, Far Hills uh, season-ending perspective, what what uh, what are we anticipating? Uh, because it, it, we've got a little bit of a murky, uh, a murky situation for a, a championship, and uh, that includes. Uh, we understand no Scaramanga coming, right? He's sidelined. No, it doesn't sound like it. And yeah, murky is uh, an understatement. I think um, it, it's kind of there to be there to be grabbed by somebody, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know there's there's. Uh, Looks like maybe three um, foreign horses, at least still seriously thinking about the, the Grand National. All are pretty, um, pretty highly rated over there, which would make you, you know, make you. They're, they're legit horses. Put it that way. Ashtree Meadow is one. Um, uh, Sedan S E D D O N is another, and um, oh, French Dynamite. I think this is yeah, it's the third. Um, they're all rated in, you know, 150s um, over there, which would put them, make them very competitive, um, especially, as as you put it, Murky is our top-level horse, the best horses we seem to have at the moment anyway. Um, you know, that Mary Maker, I guess, could, you know, he'd be a horse who might be able to break through, snap decision. We just haven't seen the best of him for a year now. I don't know. Um, uh, I think, the, as always, Far Hills, the, the ground will really play – you know, it, it'll, it'll play a big factor if they, if it sounds like rain this weekend up there. Um, I know from talking to Guy Torsolari before Aqueduct, you know, they've had plenty of rain. And if the ground is, if the ground is just soft and holding the way English and Irish horses seem to appreciate it more than the Americans do, um, it, it's kind of works in their favor for sure. But it's supposed to be, you know, they've made it an international meet and attracted horses like that and um, really raises the raises the profile of American jump racing when when, when horses like that come over. Very much so, and uh, you know, you mentioned Guy, who we'll talk to uh, uh, probably. Well, I guess we could even start thinking about yeah, a week or two. Uh, Guy will visit, and and uh, we'll get out ahead of uh, you know, help people make uh, their plans. And in fact, we're we're actually going to do some things. Uh, I, I might as well mention it now. Uh, the you know the fixed odds. Wagering wow. is going to be available, uh, and and not only available, we're going to feature, we're going to do some featured uh, highlighting of uh, fixed odds leading up to, but then on race day, uh, the day, wow. of, yeah, the day of the meeting. Wow, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I, know, I wasn't even thinking, hadn't even thought about that. Um, one more variable, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah. and I've, I've even talked to them uh, about uh, making sure that you know, making sure that uh, you know the uh, the Wi-Fi is is uh, reinforced and and strong. Good luck. Well, that, I, they're going to have to. I mean, that that, that and that's something they work on every year. But uh, you know, so that you know, the players can. Yeah, on their phone. I mean, obviously the geo tracking is going to be involved uh, in terms of people that are. It's got to have to be Jersey residents, obviously, that that are playing on their on their system. But uh, you know that that portion of it, 
it's something that I think, well, I mean, certainly Torsiere is as they they've been count not I won't say counting on, but uh, you know the 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 revenue that the wagering can generate uh, is kind of goes hand in hand with that long term planning that that guy has talked about for years. I mean, of course, and then and then the pandemic really kind of. really set everybody back and, and set the whole concept back. Yeah, I like that he built it kind of gradually, the wagering side, built it gradually and not tried to over, over-promise or, or over, you know, get ahead of yourself, basically, in terms of trying to do things that, that they either weren't set up to do or that the betting public, who was clearly unfamiliar with it, wasn't prepared to do. And, and, and they've just incrementally stepped it up you know, year over year over year, where, yeah, it, it does have a potential to be a, to be a revenue stream and a little bit of a, just an expansion vehicle of the, of the, of the game. And, I, I, again, I don't know all the details. Clearly, they're beyond me in terms of system and infrastructure and everything else they need. But, you know, once you reach a certain point, you know, you're, it, there, there's initial cost, but that cost starts to level out because it's the same if you just keep bringing in more people, you know, and more wagering dollars. Um, and that's usually the, the infrastructure cost is what holds back a lot of the junkies from doing it. Um, but our hill seems to be building the right model, which I think they could follow in other places, really. Yeah. And the, uh, that, I mean, that is, that is an area that, uh, all of, all of chase, uh, racing, I mean, could, can benefit. I mean, it, it, yeah, and I think if more as more states had sports betting, you could make the case to allow it to happen. Where now it gets hung up in you know states that have no parimutuel regulation or no you know they have no racing commission, they have no no nothing like that in some of the states where they have single chase meets. But if those states are allowing sports betting or whatever, then, then I think you open the door to make the case you know legally that you you can do these things. You know. Uh, where right now it just sort of runs into an immediate brick wall. Well, no, we have no parameter wagering. You can't do it. You know, and in South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, um, you know, the numerous states that have the problem. Virginia allows it at their meets. They haven't quite figured out how to build the model out the way Far Hills does with um, account wagering and a much wider audience, you know, trying to get to that wider audience, but the potential exists for sure. Joe, uh, out of curiosity, it's not an area I typically bring up with you, but I I had Alan Foreman yesterday uh, and Frank Vespi, you know, in in, in racing biz, I'm sure will be there again uh, Friday. uh, These presentations uh, to the Maryland Authority, uh, what what's your what's your overview or, you know, what what kind what are you hearing? And and, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the long-term, you know, the intermediate and long-term planning, uh, you know, is, 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 again, is involved like everything else that goes on in the game. Uh, any any observations uh, on your end? And I think they, and I've been superficially paying attention to it and and, and, and trying to have a, at least a, a read on it, but um, I, I think at the, they have to go through these steps of information gathering, 
uh, getting recommendations from all the partners and getting the views from all the partners in racing, you know, the breeders, the owners and trainers, the track owners, you know, just sort of go through those steps, get those reports, get those presentations, and then try to come up with the best, you know, the best scenario that works. It's obviously not a good situation. They need to come up with something that works for, if it's not everybody, most people, you know, and then go from there. I, I don't know what the, you know, I, I think reading between all the lines, you know, the the, 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 the five-year, ten-year, however many years from now, it'll be Island Racing will be a Pimlico. There'll be a training center somewhere, you know, that's not quite on the level of Fair Hill where most of the horses will be. And they'll probably be running, they might be running fewer days, but, you know, I, I, I don't think it's as few days as the thing, the report that came out the other day. That just seems like not something that's going to be able to sustain the breeding industry and the other things they have, you know. So I, it's, 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 it's sad in some ways, but it's also, okay, the state created this authority to, to try to get through the weeds, basically, and see if we can't come up with something that works for as many parts of the industry as possible. So I think you have to, you know, right now it seems like it's a lot of, not wasted time, but you're like, you're just going through these meetings and steps before any real decisions get made. But I think they have to do that as a state, a state quasi-agency or whatever you want to call it. Um, they have to go through that information gathering process first and figure out where to go from there. You know, I, I know that, uh, you know, I, I, I see certain reactions uh, from people that aren't involved. Uh, and and it's been amazing how often, you know, whenever there's anything that has come out about, about Maryland, it, you know, there's this uh, race to conclude, oh, that it, it, the worst possible, uh, you know, the worst possible outcome is, is immediately you know, deduced uh, that. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the knee-jerk reaction is they're they're out to get us, or they're you know I told you so, and it, you're like, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think legislatively, the racing industry probably doesn't have a you know clout with individual legislators it might have had a while ago. So this authority thing is the path forward, I think. I mean, if you want, if you, uh, otherwise you risk everything and you have no track so i think you got to go through these steps with the with the authority you know and you know it's gonna it's gonna look a little different but i, I think the long-term long-term finished product will be will be worth it if, you know it, it has to be and, and and they need to rally to get it done and they need to kind of stop looking we'll get a lot of look back well if they'd have done this right you know like, well, that was that's 10 years ago. That's 20 years ago. It's, 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 you know, let, let's deal with now. What, what, what do we have to do? You know, and um, uh, it, it, it probably means everybody gives up a little, you know, um, and you end up with a sustainable, if a little smaller, maybe racing product. And, um, you know, everybody's on uh, a somewhat the same page. It, it's sad to watch. I, I know that. And I'm sure for anybody who's been in it even longer than I have. We'll go through all the, you know, when Maryland had three mile tracks and then had several half mile tracks and, you know, and uh, all the days of Winfield's Farm and Northern Dancer and all that stuff. But, you know, 
it's not going to be that anymore. Um, but hopefully it's, hopefully it's a, a sustainable model that everybody can kind of get behind and, um, and somebody 20 years from now is talking about, Oh, smart decision they made, you know, but, uh, trying to navigate those waters between now and then, I guess is the hard part. Well, the one, one thing that, uh, that seemed to come out in the, uh, in the first racing uh, presentation that, that, that they are, I, I think, right about uh, is the need, uh, really the demand that there be uh, a, a much stronger uh, cooperation uh, in terms of scheduling uh, and, and the way in which the calendars can mesh better uh, for the you know, particularly for the Mid-Atlantic, and this is something that Alan, uh, you know, and, and the whole Mid-Atlantic uh, grouping, uh, I, I would think, is right in their wheelhouse. I mean, between uh, between Delaware, I suppose Monmouth to an extent, uh, you know, Monmouth Parks, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, uh, the, the need to, you know, better coordinate the stakes calendars, uh, so that there isn't this, you know, ridiculous overlap of, of you know, three filly and mare dirt routes within, you know, eight days of each other. Uh, right. a, 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 you know, the opportunity to make everybody's program, shore up everybody's program uh, to a better degree uh, by, you know, carefully comparing notes and, and race dates and, and everything else. Uh, it, it's it's something that could go a long way to uh, to helping everybody. Yeah, and I, I've said it for a while that, that, that there's enough money to do something like that. I mean, the money being generated by the various slot, slot subsidies and things that states get, there's enough money to do stuff like that. You know, we need to just be somebody's got to figure out how to rope it all together. And yeah, you're you're already sharing the horses and the horsemen, whether you want to think you are or not, if you're a racetrack. I mean, you're already sharing. There are they're already share horses and horsemen. So figure out a better way to do it. Is it going to mean, yeah, more horses and horsemen are, you know, you, 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 Maryland horsemen, you you might be shipping somewhere to run certain times of the year. But, uh, that, that, you know, we have a smaller full crop. We have competition everywhere. We have you know, fewer people playing the game as trainers, but some people have bigger stables. I mean, I think you, you're going to have to do stuff like that, you know, where you would, where it is a circuit of some, some kind, you know, and, and maybe that's where some stability comes. If, if, if Maryland has a training center where most of the horses are, then the pressure to race at that right now, the pressure to race at the track where all the horses are is pretty strong, you know, but if it's a training center that doesn't have to do that, then maybe you can take a, step back and go, okay, how do we plan this racing schedule out a little better? And, you know, how do we send, how do we maximize it? And maybe, maybe it means you're paying which people go bananas when I say stuff like this, but maybe it is means you're paying state bred bonuses in other states, you know, that's fine. You know, it just baffles me that they can't figure out how to cooperate with that between the Delaware certified Maryland bread, Virginia bread and certified yep. Pennsylvania bread, New Jersey bread. I mean, there's enough just spread it around. And, and, and if a New Jersey bread wins in Maryland, you know, or, or whatever track is cooperating in this circuit, it, it's the same as winning in New Jersey, or maybe it's not quite the same, but whatever. I, I think there's, there's enough money to work it out. You just have to work it out. 
that's that's working it all out is <laughs> that that's exactly I'm, I'm, glad Alan, I'm glad Alan Foreman's the guy I actually has to work it out exactly I can fire ideas out of the left field you know whatever but well see once 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 you're named an ombudsman you're ombudsman Ooh. for life that Ooh. that's it yeah that's yeah. it yeah that, that that's uh <laughs> you know that's like uh, uh I, what, I don't know I don't even know what a com comparable uh title is Kentucky Colonel uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ed Editor in chief emeritus, you know, whatever. That, that, yeah, there the you go. There you go. You're the guy that they're gonna call for, uh, forever if there's an issue. <laughs> exactly. Well, that. Well, in fact, the fact is they've been calling Alan even before he got the omnibus. Uh, Correct. Correct. Uh, the, 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 been an ombudsman, whether he wanted to or not. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe Clancy, everybody. This is HorseRacing.com with 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 Saratoga special season over. It's uh, it's thisishorseracing.com season, and uh, oh, we should maybe, we should maybe, as we go to the break, Joe, when when will pre-orders be available for the calendar? <laughs> I knew you were coming there. Uh, um, I would say by the end of the month. Um, the sooner we do it, it just raises expectations. Everybody wants their, even though you tell them pre-orders. The sooner you start taking pre-orders, the sooner everybody wants their calendar. But uh, been having some conversations with uh, with Ruthie Bowen, the designer, and uh, we're making final choices. And um, uh, should, I, should I have something that is my dog? Should I have something by the end of the month? I love it. All right, we the we will we will keep people informed, uh, and of course the fabulous uh, Todd Marks uh, photography. Yes, right. and a few other people. A few yeah, others. We spread it around as much as we can. Yep. Yep. I love it. Joe Clancy, everybody. We will talk to Sean and uh, Tom in coming weeks, leading up to Far Hills, uh, and uh, can't wait. Joe, all we, all I can conclude is uh, fly, Eagles, fly, and ring the bell. Ring the bell. Talk to you soon. Joe Clancy, folks, and uh, this is horseracing.com. We'll take the break, the only one of the morning. Going to uh, have a busy second half. Dave Hill and the NFL pushes for this week. Dave is up to, what's the number? Let me see. I know you're curious. He's five games over 500, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, 13 and 8. Is that the right? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Here you go. Here's your answer. Drum roll, please. Actually, four games over. 15 and 11. Through uh, the first quarter of the season, which is fine. Kind of, kind of a strange way that he got there, with a 6 and 0 and, a, and an 0 and 5, which is uh, kind of crazy. Looking forward to talking to Dave also about his trip. Jeff Franklin returns as well. And happy about that. Win using Thoroughgraph. We'll talk Keeneland, actually. Actually, the last 45 minutes will be all Keeneland because then uh, James Scully is going to come on through. And we will uh, take a look at tomorrow's opening day card with James. <laughs> 